Amen, amen. Amen. How many of y'all are glad that that he thought you was worth saving? Because, you know, you know, if, if truth be told, we weren't worth saving. It's because of his love and his grace that we are saved. That's why I'm going to tell everybody I know. Hallelujah. Give God the highest praise because he is worthy to be praised. It is indeed an honor to be able to stand before you um, this evening and um, deliver uh, the word and go through this, this teaching time with you. I praise God for our bishop. Thank him for this opportunity. And I praise God for each and every one of you for tuning in tonight. And I pray that something is said today that will allow you to continue along your way. Let us pray. So Father God, we just want to first of all come say and thank you. We thank you for being God and being God all by yourself. Lord, you are Alpha and Omega, you beginning and the end. And we just want to thank you, Lord, for being a very present help at a time of trouble and for always being that friend that will stick closer than a brother. Now, Lord, as we get ready for this teaching time, I just ask that you will decrease me so that your spirit may be increased. Lord, let your people not see Luther, but let them see you. And Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So normally, you know, um, when preachers get up, we, we start off by, by reading the word. But I'm going to do something a little different tonight. And you'll see why in just a second. But I'm going to... Um, I'm be speaking from Romans 8, and the, the title of today's lesson is going to be The Benefits of a Spirit-Inspired Life. The Benefits of a Spirit-Inspired a spirit Life. So this evening, we're going to walk through the entire eighth chapter of Romans. And I promise you I'm going to do it in, in good time. I'm not going to hold you past our normal Bible study time today, but we're going to walk through it today because I, I have learned that there is indeed benefits of living a spirit-inspired life. So before I get into today's text, I, I want to first of all start off by, by speaking just for a few moments about Romans 7. You see, Romans 7, one of the the theme verses of, of Romans 7 um, is verse 18. And Paul says this, he says, for I know that, that in my flesh dwells no good thing. And all throughout chapter seven, Paul is, is, is speaking to the Romans and he's, he's speaking about this war that goes on in our flesh. And that war that he's speaking about it, it leads us right to chapter eight. And so chapter eight is all about 
the war in the flesh. And now, I mean, chapter 7 is all about the war in the flesh. And now in chapter 8, it deals specifically with the spirit. You see, because the, the opposite of, 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 the, of the flesh or the enemy of the flesh is the spirit. And so, like I said, he, he deals extensively in, in chapter 8 with the spirit. And, and, and from this, I saw six benefits that I want to walk through with you this evening as we walk through chapter 8. And so the first point that I, I want to make tonight, the first benefit is the Spirit of God gives us a path. And I got that idea from verse number one. Verse number one of chapter eight says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so, you know, walking is, is when we walk, there, there's a path to which we walk. Whether we, we chart a path or not, we're walking along a, a certain path. As, those of, as, as, as anybody who knows me know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big walker now. And I have a few paths that I walk, depending on the time of day, depending on the distance that I'm going to walk. And, and depending on what I want to see on a particular walk based on the mood that I'm in. And so my, 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 my spirit, or what is in my spirit, it guides the walk that I'm going to take at that particular time. If it is in my spirit to walk a half hour, and I want to hear birds chirping, or, or I want to see certain buildings, then I will walk a certain path. If I'm walking a half hour walk and, and this time I, 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 I want to walk and, and, and witness and see people, I want to do a little people watching on my walk, I will walk another path. When I walk an hour, I have a couple of different paths that I walk on an hour, again, depending on my mood, depending on the type of spirit that I'm in. And so as we, as we look at this and, and as we look at what, what, what Paul is talking about right now, if, if, if we're walking according to the Spirit, then it is the Spirit that will direct our path. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I have to, you know, sometimes we have to be like Abraham and not know exactly where we're going, but just go and follow the Lord. You see, it is not always necessary for us to know where God is taking us. It is not always necessary for us to know where God is sending us. The only thing that is necessary is that we listen to his spirit. Because if we listen to his spirit, it doesn't matter what we know because his spirit is omniscient. It doesn't matter what strength we may think we have because in his spirit, his spirit is omnipotent. It does not matter what we, what we think we should be doing or what we think we, the places that we think we should be going because it is his spirit that it will lead us into our truths. You see, the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, is here to teach us all things and to bring all things back to our remembrance. You see, there are times that, that we're not going to know exactly which direction to go in. There are times we're not going to know exactly which direction we need to take, but God's Spirit always knows, which is why he left it here for us. You see, his Spirit allows us to see the possibilities in life instead of the 
impossibilities. His spirit allows us to, 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 to look at life from a, a totally different perspective and a totally different paradigm because we know that it does not matter what the role may look like. If God's spirit is the one that's leading us, we don't have to worry about what the role looks like because we know if it is his path, we know he's already made it before we've even gone across it. And that leads me to my, my, next, my next point. The second benefit of living a Spirit-inspired life is that the Spirit, it delivers peace. And I got that idea from the second through the 13th verses. Now, I'm not gonna read all of those verses all at once because I, I actually broke it up into into three parts. So the first part of this is Romans chapter eight, verses two through four. And so as we, as we look at that, it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, the idea that is, that, that, that is, being, that is being conveyed in verses two through four is that God gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because see, the spirit of life, it frees us from law and death. Now, when I say it frees us from law and death, it doesn't free us from the commandments of the law and death. We are still supposed to obey those commandments. But what happens is when we fall, not because of his spirit, his spirit gives us the opportunity to overcome and to get back up when we fall. You see, as Donnie McClurkin says a, few, a number of years ago, we fall down, but we get up. And we don't get up under our own power, but we, give, we get up under the power of the Spirit. You see, we are delivered from a mind controlled by carnality because now we're living under the Spirit and the Spirit gives us a mind of Christ Jesus. Now, the second part of this, of this particular point about peace comes from verses 5 through 8. It says it's like this, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, the idea that verses five through eight is trying to uh, convey is if we submit ourselves to the spirit, we have the type of peace that will allow us to submit to the will of God unconditionally. 
And see, we submit to the will of God unconditionally because we recognize that as in God's spirit, we have life and have it more abundantly. And so there are no conditions to our submission. There are no conditions to why, to, to how we follow God. We follow the only conditions as to why we follow God and how we follow God is based on the word of God. Because we understand that to, that, that to be spiritually minded is to be aligned with God, but to be uh, 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 of the mind of the flesh is to be against God. And the only way that we can have that mind that, that, that was in Christ Jesus, the only way we can do that is by his spirit. And the only way we can live by his spirit is to live according to his word. And so we, we understand that we can submit unconditionally because we know that unconditional submission to God means we are set up for victory. You see, unconditional submission to God, unconditional submission to his will means that now we can walk in the light instead of darkness. Unconditional submission to God, unconditional submission to his will means that now we have given our will over to him and now because his will has been, has been made the governor over our lives, now where, 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 where confusion may abide, now peace takes over. Where confusion may try to take over our mind, where confusion may, may try to take over our heart, where confusion may try to take over our life, now the peace of God can take over and now we are able to walk in peace in the midst of a whole lot of noise. You see, what I've come to understand is it doesn't matter how much noise is around me, what matters is the peace that is inside me. Because the peace that is inside me is able to overcome all of the noise that is around me. Now, if we look at chapter 8, verses 9 through 13, it says, But ye, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But the, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who who raised Christ from the dead would also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. And so the third type of peace that is given to us, that is conveyed in verses 2 through 13, and specifically in verses 9 through 13, this third type of peace is the peace to suffer with understanding. To suffer with understanding. You see, the Bible says like this. The Bible says that any person born of a woman, their days are full of trouble. And last time I checked, everybody listening to this Bible study was born of a woman, which means your days are going to be full of trouble. But guess what? As we suffer through the trouble that is and that comes through our lives, we suffer with the understanding that the same power that resurrected Jesus resurrects us from the trouble that is in our lives. You see, what, what, what I come to understand is I am able to suffer 
and to suffer with understanding because the understanding that I suffer with is that the suffering that I'm going through right now is only temporary. You see, as Jesus suffered a temporary affliction, as he suffered for those three days, I mean, as he suffered for on that night on Calvary, and as he suffered, he knew that there was going to be a resurrection that was to come. And so he was able to stay upon that cross. And, and as we sing in the song, it was not the nails in the cross that kept him tied to the cross. It was not the nail in his feet that kept him on the cross, but it was his love for us that kept him fraught, um, on the cross. And he knew that the love that his father had for him after he died, he knew that love was going to resurrect him. He knew the love that God had had the power to resurrect him. He knew the love of his father had the power to resurrect him. And so even now, in this present day and time, even as we suffer on our beds of affliction, we know that the same power that got Jesus up from the grave, that same power that rose him up on that third day, that same power is able to rise us up from that from our bed of affliction and so we don't suffer uncontrollably we don't suffer you know without faith but we suffer with the understanding that God that if God be for us he's more than the world against us and so living a spirit inspired life that spirit inspires us to be able to suffer with understanding and because we're able to suffer with understanding, we have peace even in the midst of our suffering. Point number three is the spirit, it guarantees God's paternity. And I get this idea from verses 14, 14 through 17. It says like this, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God, for ye, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together so this idea that the spirit guarantees God paternity it comes from the same idea or the same premise of how Jesus came into the world you see Mary was not was not disseminated by the seed of a man but she was, she was impregnated by the seed of the spirit. And that is the seed of God's spirit is what made Jesus God's son. That's why Jesus was not just the son of Mary, but he was also the son of God. It was because of his spirit. Now, because of his spirit, I am not just the son of Luther and Ernestine Wade. I am also the son of God because I have not just been born of the flesh, but I've been born of the spirit. And because I've been born of the spirit, that makes God my father. And so just like Jesus said, Abba, Father, so too can I say, Abba, Father. You see, having God become our father, <clears throat> 
has three major ramifications for us. First of all, it frees us from fear. Why? Because God is our Father. You know, we've heard Bishop tell this story on a number of occasions how when he was in Alabama and it was on a very dark road, so dark he couldn't see, he couldn't see his hands in front of his face, he was able to crawl in the back seat and fall asleep. Why? Because his father was with him. And see, because our father's with us, we, the dark does not scare us because our father's with us. Because our father's with us, fear does not overcome us because our father's with us. Why? Because he did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. You see, because God is our father, we're free from fear. The second benefit of this, of having God as our Father, is our spirit has a witness with the Spirit of God. And so that's why we're able to, to speak things on earth and it'll be done in heaven. We're able to bound things on earth and it'll be bound in heaven. We're able to loose things on earth and it'll be loose in heaven. Why? Because the Spirit of God directs us informs our words and because now the spirit of God bears witness to what we're saying because what we're saying is in line with the word of God now our words have the same power as God why because we're his sons we're his daughters you know one thing that I've come to find out is when we say that we were made in the image of God we don't really understand the true ramifications of that I don't think and the reason why I say that is, if we truly understand that we were made in the image of God, we will watch what we say. Because with that would come an understanding that, that our words have created power. Why? Because everything that God created, he created with his word. He created the mountains with his word. His word is what gave the oceans and the lakes and the seas and the rivers is what gave him life. His word is what put every crawling thing on earth, every creeping thing on earth. It's what put every four-legged beast on earth. The only thing that God did not create with his word, the only thing that was created by God with his hands was you and I, was man and woman. But everything else was created by his word. And so what I, what, what, what I want to tell you today is watch what you say, watch what you speak, because what you speak and what you say creates an environment, it creates an atmosphere. And we wonder sometimes why we are suffering the things that we're suffering is because we said something that caused us, that we said something that created something that caused something that we don't like. That was a whole lot of somethings, wasn't it? You see, you have to watch what you say because what you say creates an environment, creates an atmosphere. I remember one time my, my son, we were, we were at the house and there was a really bad snowstorm. And so at the time, my, my kids were, were, were very small and so you know, I, I had shoveling duty and it was pretty much mine and mine alone. <laughs> and I didn't, um, I didn't have the foresight this particular year. We had just moved into this new house and we had a long driveway. We see the house that we lived in before got plowed for us because we, we had a landlord. 
and the landlord was responsible for snow removal. And so when we, when we moved into this, 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 this new house that had, that had a long driveway, I should have went and bought me a snowblower, but I didn't. And so every time, and this was a year, I don't know if y'all remember this year, but this was a year where we had so much um, snow that there was mounds of snow on both sides of my driveway that was like 12, that I, I, I believe it was at least nine to 10 feet up high on both sides. If, if we had gotten another snowstorm, I did not know where I was gonna put that snow. And so it was one of these snowstorms that came up and I was out there shoveling there. And, and so, so my kids decided, you know what, we're not gonna leave daddy out there by himself. And, 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 and LaDonna told the kids, you know, go out there and, and we're gonna make this a, a family situation. Well, this was in January and we had just bought you know, the kids, you know, some new stuff for Christmas or whatever. My son wanted some shoes that year, so we bought him some, some brand new shoes. Well, my son came out to shovel the snow in his brand new shoes. And I looked at him, and I, I, my, my spirit was, was disturbed. <laughs> and I said, I said, why? What's the matter with you? Are you stupid or something? Why are you wearing your new shoes to shovel snow? And when I said that, his shoulders hunched, his head went down, and tears start to come from his eyes. And I realized that my word created grief in my son. And I knew that the only thing that could reverse the curse that I had just spoke on him was for me to speak life to him. And so I walked up to my son and I said, son, daddy, sorry. You're not stupid. You're smart. You're intelligent. And I'm so sorry for calling you stupid. And please, son, forgive me. When I said that, his shoulders came back up, a smile came onto his face, and the tears dried up. Because that same mouth that spoke death to my son spoke life to my son. And I was able to reverse the curse by speaking a word of life instead of a word of death. And so we have to be very careful. You, so, you see, just as the Bible says, that, that, you know, as James said, this tongue of ours is the most unruly member in our body. And we have to be very careful to what we say. Because we, were made in, because we were made in the image of God, just like God, our words have creative power. The third benefit that God's paternity grants us is we acquire kingdom authority. I alluded to this just a few minutes ago. You see, the kingdom authority gives us the power to put Satan in this place. It gives us the power to, to cancel every assignment that Satan has put on our lives. It gives us the power to call those things that be not as though they were. It gives us the power to pray in the spirit and watch God work wonders in the natural world. You see, the kingdom authority that God's spirit grants us, the kingdom authority that God's, but that being God's children grants us, allows us to say, I am who I am 
And I am that because of God. And because I belong to God, victory is mine. Because I belong to God, the enemy has no place in my life. Because I belong, in, I belong to God, I can, I can speak to the enemy, I can speak to Satan and tell Satan to get thee behind me. Because I have kingdom authority, I can speak to Satan and, and put him under my feet. Because I have kingdom authority, I can send Satan back to the very pits of hell from which he came because I can speak to Satan and put him in his place. So the Spirit of God guarantees God's paternity. The fourth point, or the fourth benefit that I want to speak about is the Spirit of God grants us a promise. And I got that idea from verses 18 through 25. And it reads like this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope, for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. You see, the, the sentiment that, that verses 18 through, through 25 is trying to convey to us is, just like I said earlier, we suffer with, with understanding, and, and that understanding makes it a lot easier to, to go through the pain and suffering because we know that our pain and suffering is no indication of where we're going. It is just identifying where we currently are. But see, where we are is not indicative, is not instructive as to where we are going. You see, that's why we have to live by faith because see, what faith does, if faith gives us an ability to look past our present and see our future. You see, faith gives us the ability to look past what is around us and look unto God because God surrounds us. You see, the song says it like this, that it may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You see, when I look to my left, it may, I may see my enemies in the physical, but if I look in the spiritual, you are to my left. If I look to my right, I may see people who mean me ill. I may see people who mean me no good, but if I look 
in the spiritual, I will see you. If I look in front of me, I may see danger. If I look in front of me, I may see peril. But because I know that you're able to deliver, to deliver me from dangers seen and unseen, I know that if I look unto the hills for with coming my help, not all my help coming from you, that even though I see danger, you are able to deliver me. And I only have to worry about what's in behind me because I know you got that covered too. You see, when we're able to say that to God, when we're able to understand that what we're going through right now, that the pain and the suffering that we're going through right now is not indicative of his will, is not indicative of, of his plan for our lives, then we are able to do these things because we know that a task to our pain and our suffering is a promise. You see, there's a promise to us if we endure the suffering of this present day. Because now, if we endure the suffering of this present day, we can receive the manifestation of God's will and of God's power in our lives. And this manifestation is revealed in three ways. Verses 18 through 19 shows us that if we suffer for God, one of the things that will be manifested is we will be the vessels by which God will deliver man from the bondage corruption to the glorious liberty that is in him. You see, so in other words, God's glory will be revealed in us if we suffer. You know, because if people know what we're going through and yet they see a smile, they see a smile on our face, they're going to want to know, they're going to want to understand what is inside of us that is enabling us to be able to go through with a smile on our face, that is enabling us to be able to go through in such a way that we're able to give God glory, even though the story that may be surrounding us is full of pain and grief. You see, God's power allows us to exchange our grief for his glory. And if we exchange our grief for his glory, then that same power that, that delivered us will be able to deliver somebody else. Because when they see God in us, they too will want to experience God in them. So that's the first thing, or the first way it's manifested, manifested. The third way that this promise is manifested is it gives us great hope and anticipation. You see, if we know that, that our, our latter days will be greater than our former days, then the days that are happening right now Instead of being full of anxiousness, instead of being full of anxiety when things don't look the way that we want them to look, we will, we will remove the anxiety and we will make an exchange or we make a swap and we will swap our anxiety for anticipation. And see, the reason why we have to swap anxiety for anticipation is because anticipation denotes faith. And see, without faith, it's impossible to please God, which is why he tells us he doesn't want us to be anxious for nothing. But rather than be anxious, he wants us to anticipate. And because we anticipate, we, are, we have faith. And what does faith stand for? F-A-I-T-A stands for forsaken all, I trust him. You see, forsaking everything I see, I trust God. Forsaking everything that may be coming against me, I trust God. It doesn't matter who speaks ill against me, 
I trust God. It doesn't matter if that light bill that just came in the mail has a red line across the envelope. I trust God. It doesn't matter if I look into my cupboards and I, I see no food. It doesn't matter if I look in my refrigerator and it's, and it's bone empty. I trust God. Because that same God that fed the 5,000 with fish and bread, that same God can make a miracle come my way too. And the Bible says like this. The Bible says that I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. But see, the only way that we're able to, to live in famine with faith is we, I mean, living famine is still anticipate is we have to always live in faith. And I know some of you right now may be going through a drop period in your life, but oh, let me tell you something, the latter rain is coming. I know some of you may be experiencing some dryness right now, but oh, let me tell you, the latter rain is coming. I know some of you may, be, may, may, may look around you and see a bunch of parts ground, but oh, let me tell you something. The latter rain is coming, and that parts ground is going to be soaked by the very Spirit of God. That parts ground is going to be soaked by the very water of God, and that ground right now that may be brown and cracked is going to one day if you hold on to your faith, if you hold on to your faith, if you anticipate the next move of God versus being anxious in the current mood that you're in right now, if you anticipate, then that same brown cracked ground is going to yield fruit. But we must, we must live with anticipation versus bondage. You see, that's why we say that my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and his, his righteousness. You see, that is a hope that is built in the spirit of anticipation. Not based on what you see, but what you know. Because you know that God is able to do all things but fail. So the fifth benefit that I want to give to you today is the spirit that governs our prayers. And I get this idea from verses 26 through 30. And those, those verses read like this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things were together for a good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. From whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. You see, the Spirit governs our prayers because 
The Spirit wants us to pray by faith and not by sight. You see, this is why, and I said this a little bit earlier, this is why Jesus extended his spirit to us and left his spirit with us when, when he went back to be with the Father. Because not only did Jesus want the spirit to comfort us, but he wanted us to teach, he wanted the spirit to teach us all things and bring everything back to our remembrance. And so because the spirit governs our prayers, he does three things. First of all, he gives us the words to pray. Some of us wonder why our prayers are not being answered. Well, the reason why your prayers are not being answered is because you're praying with your own words and not with the, with the words that the Spirit gives you. And understand this, the Spirit, God's Spirit has words for you to pray because God's Spirit wants you to walk in freedom and not in bondage. And so often, we walk in bondage because the prayers that we're praying are not lip prayers of liberation, but they're actually prayers that continue to lead us into darkness. And so that's the first thing that the Spirit, that's the first way that the Spirit governs our prayers. The second way is the Spirit makes intercession for us. And so while we're praying, at the same time that we're praying, no, let me correct that. Before we pray, the Spirit is interceding on the prayers we're going to pray. While we're praying, the Spirit is interceding for the prayers that we're going to pray. And after we got done praying, the Spirit continues to intercede to make sure those prayers are answered. You see, because God's Spirit makes intercession for us, that intercession is, is the key that unlocks the answer to our prayers. You see, I don't know about you, but, but I don't, I don't want to pray by myself. I don't know about you, but, but I, I, I don't want to be the only one praying my prayers. I want that mind to be in me that was also in Christ Jesus so that when I pray, I pray according to God's will and not according to my own will. So the Spirit governs our prayers by first giving us the word to pray. Secondly, by making intercession for us. And in combination of those two ideas, the third thing it does, it ensures our prayers are the will of God, which does three more things. It makes sure that all things work together for our good, verse 28. It allows us to be the firstborn among many brethren, verse 29. The head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And then it allows us to know that our glory is imminent. Verse number 30. I don't know about y'all, but that's good news for me. It's good news for me to know that, that everything works together for my good. Even the bad stuff works together for my good. Even my sickness works together for my good. Even the dark days work together for my good. And I don't mind the dark days because I know that the very light of the world, who is Jesus Christ, I know that light is going to shine even when I'm in the midst of my darkness. Because I am the firstborn of God, because I am the firstborn, because I am the firstborn, I say it again, because I am the firstborn of God, it doesn't matter who comes behind me. Because I know that whatever comes behind me, I know that I was born first in his spirit. And because I'm the firstborn of his spirit, 
I am able to attain and to acquire the very riches and bounty of his kingdom. And all of that allows us to know that the glory that God has set aside for us is not only coming, is not only coming, but it's imminent. Not only coming, but imminent. Now my last point, or the last benefit that I want to leave with, with everyone, is the Spirit gives, gives evidence of God's love. It gives evidence of God's love. And the type of love it gives evidence of is partiality. Because God prefers his people. And I get this idea from verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but deliver him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who should bring a charge against God's leg? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Woo! Not only is the Spirit making intercession for us, but Jesus Christ is also making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, sword. And it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You see, this spirit that gives evidence of God's love, it gives evidence of God's love by, first of all, it, 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 the spirit empowers us to a life of victory. You see, there's no condemnation in our life anymore. We are able to live a life of victory. Why? Because the spirit has empowered us and he who the son has set free is free indeed. And how we set free, we are set free through his spirit. The, third, the second thing is we know that if God be for us, we cannot be victimized. You see, I can't be anybody's victim. Why? Because I have victory through Christ Jesus. And because I have victory through Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what someone may try to do. It doesn't matter how Satan may try to defeat me. It doesn't matter what arrows he may throw at me. It doesn't matter what darts he may throw my way. I can live by faith, and I know that because I live by faith, it does not matter. I am a victor, not a victim. Thumb. We know that if he gave us his only son, then there is no limit to the value he has assigned to our lives. So not only am I a victor, not only am I not a victim, but I am also a valuable person in the sight of God because he would not have given his son to me. He would not have allowed Jesus to take on flesh and come down and be crucified if he did not have value assigned to my life. And because of the value that God has assigned to my life, because I know that I'm a victor and not a victim, I can live life full of vigor and vitality because I will not let anything separate me from the love of God. And because I have a divine connection with him, his power lives inside of me and I am full of vigor and vitality. I don't have to live in the dumps. I don't have to live in the doldrums. I don't have to live depressed. I don't have to live 
live down and out. I can live vigorous and vital. Why? Because God's power has lifted me up. You see, love lifted me. Love lifted me. Oh, when nothing else could help, it was love who lifted me. And because of all these things, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that if we live a spirit-inspired life, we know that we will have a path, we will have peace, God will be our Father, we will live under a promise, the Spirit will govern our prayers, and we will live a life that is evident, that provides the evidence that God loves us and is person to us. That is the word of God. Amen. So Lord, we just like to ask that the word that was just delivered will find fertile ground in your people and that they will see the benefits of living a life that is inspired by your spirit. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we as we do every Wednesday, we solicit your gifts. And uh, the money that is collected or that is raised on Wednesday, I mean on Tuesdays, is our benevolent offering, which means it's the offering that we that we use to bless those who who need help. To bless those who may find themselves in a hard place right now. And so please give liberally and give cheerfully because we all know that God loves a cheerful and hilarious giver. And please remember to, to join us on tomorrow, I believe at one o'clock p.m. for our, our prayer, our community prayer. There's power in prayer. There's power in agreement. And we don't have to be in the same physical building to touch and agree because what connects us is greater than the physical. What connects us is his spirit. And it is his spirit that inspires us to be able to pray in such a way that things are changed. The song says like this, I'll pray for you, you pray for me, and together we're gonna watch God change things. That is the word of God for the people of God. I, I thank you for your attention. I thank you for, for sharing this time with me. And as Bishop would say, I will leave you with a one word benediction. Shalom. Peace be unto you. <laughs>